The Gospel according to St. John from the 13th chapter. Now, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in God's self and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. If the story of Peter ended in the New Testament Gospels, I don't think any of us could imagine a time when he would be in trouble for being too open and too progressive. In spite of Peter's eagerness and zeal to follow Jesus, the Gospel writers show us a person who's constantly struggling with the expansive nature of Jesus' vision. In fact, Peter's often the one who challenges his master when he thinks that Jesus has stepped out of bounds, broken the rules. On one occasion, Peter even takes Jesus aside and rebukes him because of this, just like those believers in the Acts story for today are doing with Peter, which is really quite remarkable. Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? they say to Peter. In other words, why did you step out of bounds and break the rules that were made to keep us together? It leads us to ask, how did this happen? How did the roles get reversed? How did Peter become the edgy one who now is making others nervous? Peter's short answer to that is just four words. I saw a vision. That makes sense, I think, because you and I know from experience that vision is often the source of radical change. Without vision, things stay the way they always have been. Worse yet, according to an Old Testament proverb, without vision, the people perish. Without vision, people remain locked in a way of life that's much more concerned with self-preservation than with any kind of discovery or growth or renewal. That was Peter in the gospel stories. But now things are different because he has seen a vision. I thought about that last week as I attended a conference in Washington, D.C. for people who are on governing boards of colleges and universities. And as you would expect, every school, like most institutions, say that they want leaders with vision. Very important. The trouble is, of course, new vision often threatens old structures. Structures that have come to mean identity or security to many people. Or perhaps I should say many stakeholders 
That's the term that was used very often at the conference I was at. And I started to think about it in a way that takes some liberty, perhaps, with the root meaning of that word. I started to think about stakeholders as people who hold down the stakes of a tent that any community has built. The ones who make sure that it is secure, that it can withstand the elements no matter how severe they may be. And that helped me to see the tension that occurs whenever someone says, you know, I see a bigger tent for us. In most groups, that's when the anxiety level starts to rise. Making a tent bigger means taking up stakes, moving them, means giving up ground, creating space, maybe even for the unknown. And certainly that does describe a great deal of the conflict during Jesus' short ministry. His vision, God's vision of a bigger tent for God's people made stakeholders all around him anxious and very upset, creating no space, moving the boundaries for those on the outside meant pulling up stakes and relocating them. And that was something that very few people really wanted to see happen, including Peter, who fought against it until finally he saw a vision. Peter may have lingered in that trance, as it's called, that mystical moment, pondering what all of that strange imagery meant. But he didn't have time to do that because right away, three strangers showed up at his house and a light bulb went on. Peter saw the connection. Normally, he would have drawn clear lines right then, lines of distinction between himself and these outsiders. But his vision guided him in a new direction. Up came the stakes of the tent that he was in. And into the new tent came these Gentiles from another country, along with others who were a part of what would have always been that community of outsiders, including a person who was the leader of the enemy army that had occupied Peter's homeland, a person in need of God's healing. When pressed to explain himself, Peter just said, the Spirit told me to go with them and not to make any distinction between them and us. I have to say that's my favorite line in the story because I think it points to something of ultimate importance. It points to the fact that Peter didn't just see a bigger tent like many people might do, but he saw a bigger tent where people related to each other in a completely new way. And that was the distinction. I thought about that some more as I listened to speakers at the conference I was at. And it really came into focus for me during a panel discussion on the subject of inclusiveness on college and university campuses. And again, as you might suspect, every school seems to have a vision for inclusiveness, wanting to be more inclusive, especially given the demographic changes that are reshaping our country. 
But what was talked about, both in the present and the future, was the challenges of actually living together in community. It's one thing to bring diverse people into community. It's another thing to learn how to live together in new ways. What we need, said President John Wilson of Morehouse College, is gut-level vision. He told me later that he'd never used that phrase before, that it just came to him. I told him it made my whole trip worth it because for me, this big light bulb went on. In the Greek language of the New Testament, the word for guts is also the same root for compassion. We may associate things like love and pity and compassion with the heart, but Greeks associate it with your guts, where you feel things the most deeply. So when gospel writers say that Jesus was moved with compassion, they use a Greek word that actually means a gut-level response that Jesus had to something that he saw. And in that light, when President Wilson spoke about gut-level vision, my thoughts went immediately to the notion of vision linked with compassion. And that just struck me as the best possible description of the God-given vision that we hear about in stories from Genesis to Revelation. In Peter's case, it was a gut-level vision of a tent where diverse people actually cared about each other in surprising ways, reached out even across enemy lines to heal one another with the power given to them by God. In the end, I do think that's also the best way to describe Jesus' vision of new community that we heard in that gospel reading today. I'm with you only a little longer, he said to his followers, but in the future, the distinguishing mark of your life together will be mutual love. To borrow President Wilson's phrase, this too was a gut-level vision of the church, a vision that's still changing us, reforming us in life-giving ways. Jesus could have envisioned great cathedrals. He could have envisioned powerful institutions. He could have envisioned diverse people from countries all over the world gathering together in community. But I think he knew that all of that would be meaningless if the people gathered were not living together in love. So he gave a commandment to go along with this vision. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. There are many signs of this vision happening in this congregation, in the larger church that we're a part of, in churches around the world. And that's why, frankly, I want to still be in this tent this tent that God has helped us build together. But I'm also very glad that Jesus' vision is still bigger and broader for all of us. It means there's still time for you and me to get in trouble for breaking the rules, stepping out of bounds. There's still time to pull up stakes, to redraw the boundaries. There's still time to care more deeply and to love more compassionately. 
there's still time to live into the gut-level vision of other people, too, who have inspired us, people who have, in many cases, gone before us. While visiting the Lincoln Memorial on my last day in Washington, D.C., I was drawn again to that ending of his second inaugural address, which is engraved on the wall beside his statue. With malice toward none, President Lincoln said, and with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for the one who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and for his orphan, to do all which we may achieve and cherish a just and a lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Thanks be to God.